0: Excited to have a little conversation today about coaching mentors. These calls are, if you ever want to jump in, chime in, give your thoughts, it's always welcome. We can kind of start our conversation. Uh, I'd sent out a few questions, and so would love to just kind of hear from everybody if you have any thoughts that would help us grow and kind of implement best practices for coaching mentors. One of the questions I put on there was how how do you have difficult conversations with mentors and and i think obviously difficult conversations come from really establishing what their issues are what what issues they're facing what problems they're having and that may be um quantitative data where where you see a mentor and you know hey they haven't been showing up or it may be qualitative, where you hear feedback from mom, or you hear feedback from the mentee, or you just kind of have a have a feeling that you need to ask some questions. And so, I wanted to to start our conversation in in really asking, how do you how have you gotten to that point of where you've recognized, okay, I need to have a difficult conversation, or do you just see every meeting you have as just we're having a conversation? I'm asking questions. And then I'm in the moment, deciding. Oh, okay, here's how I'm going to respond. Um, how have you guys usually found yourself in a difficult conversation? And maybe since Danae, you were on the call first, I'll I'll ask you guys, what have difficult conversations looked like, and what what has like initiated those conversations? <laughs>
1: Well, something that comes to mind, I was just telling Jordan about it before we got on the call, um, was a conversation with a mentor today. So it's fresh (laughs) on my mind. (laughs) And I guess that was a challenging conversation because she's only been a mentor for about three weeks. Um, And so I've had some other challenging conversations, I would say, with mentors, like typically like not following our rules or, you know, something like that. Um, But with the other mentors, it's been like, they've been mentors for several months so I have a relationship with them and so they've heard me say many many times you're great mentor you're awesome all this and so I feel like we have more rapport the conversation today I I mean I I think it ended fine but it I felt a little more on thin ice just because she hasn't been a mentor that long and I don't know her that well and you know besides the like training time that we've spent together and stuff um And it's kind of like, you've seen this child three times and one out of three times you've broken a rule. So like your odds are not really great. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, uh, just that was not a super fun conversation, I guess. So, I mean, I try and be very positive because I don't want to discourage people. And um, typically uh, there's a couple of folks that have been mentors for, you know, six months or so. Um, and, and we can joke around pretty well of like, time for you to go back to training and, you know, like there that we have that relationship that they can realize, oh yeah, I messed up in that or whatever it is. Um, but this lady today, I'm not sure. Um, but you know, ultimately I just tried to be like, I'm so sorry if it was unclear and take as much responsibility as we could that, you know, we should have made that more clear. And then there was some ambiguity with the school and that's totally our fault. But just to remind you of the rule, like you shouldn't, the kid like missed a whole class hanging out with her mentor. And, and one of our rules is kids shouldn't be skipping class. And, and she was like, well, she wasn't skipping. She had a note. And I was like, well, that's still one of our rules. And, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't have a great answer. I guess just trying to be as kind as possible. And um, we've, with our team leaders, we've been sitting and talking through um, the case studies, and we'll do a case study or two every month um, out of Donovan and Peter's manual. And something I'm learning from one of our team leaders um, as we're processing, how would you handle this? She is really good at asking questions. So I need to get better because her response in our last meeting was, oh, I would ask these questions to kind of lead them to the conclusion that they're doing the wrong thing. And I'm just like, "Ah, here's what I heard. What do you think about it? Let's do something different. and trying to say all that as nice as possible. But I could do better about asking questions, I think. That's my long answer. Yeah,
0: that's great. Um, things that I hear you say, saying, Janae, is that even, I mean, though establishing relationship is really important to kind of be able to have the, I guess the relationship in order to give feedback, really sitting on feedback is not useful. So I I think I really like how you're like okay I need to address this as soon as possible, even if I don't have kind of the relational equity that I I would I would like to have. I, I like what you said about questions. So maybe someone else has some more thoughts uh, once they give their feedback. But I'd love to kind of come away with some good questions that or practices to lead us to help them to discover that they're they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing rather than us just having to um, be on their case all the time, if that makes sense. Because I don't I don't think that's what we want. We want to be a positive kind of focus on encouragement and not just laying down the law, but where do you make that balance happen and how can you help your mentors recognize those things through the questions that you ask? When you talk about taking responsibility, Danae, is that is that just you bringing back all of the rules that you have established and showing them on a list of like, hey, here are the things that you committed to. And I just want to make sure I'm clear. Or how did that go? Is it just like, don't do this?
1: (laughs) I, I try to be as nice as possible, but just more like, I just want to remind, you know, like listening to them, what happened? Tell me about this. And I heard about this, whatever it was, kind of hearing their side of the story. And then just like, you know, apologizing for the miscommunication um, and just saying, like, oh, I'm so sorry if it wasn't clear. I just want to remind you, like, we don't ever want kids to miss class. And, and that's something we went over. I know it was a long time ago and a lot of information. So I just want to remind you that. Um, and, I, and so I told her, like, her lunch is from 12 to 12.35. So let's make sure and visit her during those times. And even if she tells you, even if the teacher tells you, it's kind of a mess over there at the school. I totally get that there's some miscommunication, but like we want to stick between those two time periods and not even really be on campus other than that. But, you know, just kind of playing it out there as black and white as I could.
0: Yeah. I like that. It's good. I wonder if anyone else has a, an example that they could bring up of a difficult conversation, but maybe with a mentor who has been around for a long time that has established relationship, but is that the opposite of that? Cause Danae's talking about someone who's been in for three weeks. What about someone who's been in for three years? Um, does anyone have an example they could bring up of having a difficult conversation?
2: Yeah. Um, I've got a mentor that's yeah, an older gentleman who has been around mentoring for a number of years. And, um, and I, had, I had just matched him up with a new kid and it was kind of funny because it's almost like <clears throat> he'd forgotten some of those things you know that he's again he's experienced he's a phenomenal guy right hard and everything but the kid was having real struggles with the schooling and he immediately was kind of like you know Todd I gotta get this kid getting his homework and stuff and it's like you know you just get to know the kid obviously and I, and uh so I really had to um I, obviously I think the key was, yeah, to be really positive to make sure that we're reinforcing all the good he's doing. And, and then I just would really kind of turn it to, Hey, just you know, I to remember you know, it's, you know, remember this stuff that, that, I know you know this all that but remember that you got to build that relationship, you know? And so let's, let's, why don't we focus on that for now? Um, and then, you know, the schooling I think is going to come along, but then let's, let's let it go a little bit and then we can come back and kind of talk about a, a plan for the schooling and that. So really, Kind of tried to refocus him on Matt and, and um, it, you know, more or less, it's a reminder because um, he again he knew all this stuff, it's just he kind of forgotten since it was a restart for a new mm-hmm. kid. And but you know, he took that good. And then I think probably one of those key things is the follow up, you know, so you're, you're checking back with them and you're encouraging, so it wasn't just a one and done scolding kind of thing you know but but i just hey how's that going you know is that i know that's kind of tough because you want to see that kid change but are you feeling better about it and so to have those follow-up conversations kind of helped him feel like again that he was just being very much encouraged versus um, reprimanded or something like that yeah i mean I, i gotta have a kind of a little bit of tougher not a real bit not a real tough conversation but i gotta have a one of the mentors got to touch base with him to remind him of something here today and it's not huge but I you know, I always hate that I hate confrontation on that <laughs> stuff but yeah and then it also you know, I guess as, as you kind of said something earlier about that I've got um, one of my guys who does my does screening for us is just perfect for it I mean he has no problem being the tough guy and laying down the law but does it with such love but he's like a, he's an ex-cop and so he's kind of like that's <laughs> It's a perfect fit for me because he'll, you know, like, you'll be, he doesn't have a problem saying the tough stuff. It reminds me that I got to have some of those people on the team that, so I can just say, hey, that's your deal. Can you make that call? Because my other coach, you know, they're not going to feel so comfortable with that, but um, this one could make that call and, and it's not any stressor to him where it is to me and someone else. But so finding those right people is to help out too.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, I have a, a guy I work with my executive director, he's six foot eight. If I have anything that needs to be the assertive kind of conversation, I'm just like, Zach, we just look at this person and they'll, they'll get the point. But I, I mean, I think that's good even just to recognize in a way we have to, if that's not our natural MO of being assertive, there, there are some situations where that's really necessary for the role and that, that can actually free the mentor up have pressure relieved on him because I I feel like sometimes I've had difficult conversations and it's super helpful for the person. It's not bringing them down, but actually gives them kind of a, a lane to run in. I want to ask the question and and maybe Donna Peter, if if you guys ever want to jump in, please do. How are you guys identifying the problems that your mentors are facing or how do you identify those in the best way? And I, I think sometimes when you're not having a one-on-one or you haven't built relationship, if someone just fills out a form, most of the time I've recognized that mentors want to be viewed as they're doing a good job or that they, they have it together. They have a, a plan or they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. How are you guys, what's, what's been helpful for you in identifying the problems they're facing so you can kind of actually address them?
3: Our policy was to call the kid and the parents you're calling the mentee and the parent on a monthly basis and you find out some things through that that maybe the mentor was really totally unaware of but uh probably the most effective thing that i did to find out was i I ran groups with my mentors and so i got all my mentors together and for they would encourage each other that was a big part but it it was also they would let things out that they might not have let out one-on-one with me because there are other people um, in there. And I would say, especially a uh, woman in that situation would, uh, would be more open to talking about it than probably talking to me directly about it. And so that was very, very helpful. Uh, but the combination of learning, of talking to the parent, you, you learned an awful lot um, about it. And then you know, letting letting the mentors kind of share ideas together and thoughts and feelings and things like that. But uh, back to your first question, the thing I had the most difficulty with was not so much when you, there were rules that were violated, but when it was more subtle. It was maybe a personality thing, something that they were doing that you know uh, was was tough for me to address. Uh, you know, on 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 a lot of levels, where you had to say. You know this thing that you're doing with the kid really annoys the kid <laughs> and, and, or annoys the parent or something like that. That was just i just I, I still don't like it so
0: <laughs> yeah that's good can Can you even give an example of of how that conversation goes peter of of kind of addressing the it's kind of like the soft skills I guess what you're saying is. How do we, as coaches, help our ment- our mentors develop soft skills? And
3: uh, that's better put, Stephen. The the thing I would I would start off is I would ask them questions about how they felt about something, and I would bring up, and then I would I would bring back the input I got maybe from um, a, either it was a parent, uh, a kid, or sometimes we because we did group events that uh, another mentor observed something or I observed something or one of my staff observed something that, that would that'd be. And so I would bring that up and, and talk about, this is what I saw, what do you think? And I maybe ask them, you know, how do you think the kid felt about that? How do you think other people around you felt about that? How did you feel about it? And what could you have done differently in that situation? and I, I, this is not an exaggeration but 90% of the time they'll come up with a, diff, a better idea that i don't have to bring up but if 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 i tried to go and say directly you know the kid said you did this then i'm like i'm screwed at that point so
0: yeah there can be a disconnect sometimes even in conversations that i've had where maybe a a mentor is bringing to me an issue that that they would like resolved say mom is not responsive to my text messages or, yeah. and, and their, their feedback is usually, well, it's kind of to offload responsibility to something else that's been difficult in the relationship.
3: When you say offloaded, what, what do you mean by that? They, they...
0: As in I ask, if I ask questions where I'm like, Hey, like, how is this going? I'm, I'm wanting to dig into what they could be doing better or how they mm-hmm. can improve. Usually the conversation goes to something that's external, from from them, that's that's the, that's the problem I'm facing. Okay. And I want to help my mentors in every every issue that they're facing. At the same time, I want to help them improve and them take responsibility. And so, like the the question of in those situations is, well, what are you going to do about it? It's like the the Danny Silk question of of anyone who's looking to offset responsibility into somebody else. I think that that's one side of really giving feedback is really how how can I give feedback in such a way that gives them responsibility in mm. a situation to identify a solution, but then what another side is I've identified something. Am I willing to say it, <laughs> or or help them to recognize it in their own in their own
3: actions? Yeah, because I think you're taking the the approach, which I think is the right way, is that you, you're really. Part of your task is to dis, is in, in really helping this mentor grow closer to God, identify things that become more Christ like in every way. And by doing that, you're, you're letting them grow through the process. Um, you're enabling them, you're not having them become dependent upon you for any other things. And you know, uh, so that, that's excellent, Stephen.
0: Yeah, well, I haven't figured it completely out yet, but none of us have. So, um, I'll, I'll share, I'll share one situation. I had a, a mentor I met with, which we do the phone calls with mom and meet with the kid and talk to the, the mentor. I had spoken with the mentor first in this kind of conversation and I was asking him how it had been going. And um, he had said, yeah, we went out for haircuts last week and it was great. And so the next day I saw the kid at our program and I said, Hey, I heard that so-and-so said y'all went out for haircuts. And he looked at me, he was like, can you see my hair? Did we get haircuts? Like <laughs> his, his hair was just like blown out. He was like, and so that presented a a complication because I was like, did my mentor just lie to me? What where's the disconnect in, in this situation? And those those are really even just when I've recognized when I ask my mentors very casually what's going on in the relationship, the tendency is to elaborate and embellish how the relationship is going but when I talk to the kid I may get a completely different story and so I like what you said Peter of really if you corroborate stories the truth is somewhere in there a kid may not have a an understanding of what a week is versus what a month is and he could he could be off but I can see his hair and he did not get a haircut last week
3: so I suppose Steve what you said that what really struck me when I when I first got into it is the difference in time perception between a a twelve year old and an adult. And you ask an adult, "Have you seen your you know your friend Joe recently?" And they say, "Yeah, I saw him last month." And if a kid, you see, "You see your friend recently?" Oh, I I haven't seen him since yesterday. You know, and it's <laughs> it's it's just it's just the perspective that they come in, and and so you know the. A lot of times there's just that uh, th- those communication differences between what you're hearing from your kid and mentor could also be problems, just along with what you were saying, Steve. That's all. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, let's change a little speed. In, in all of this, we're looking to help the mentor so that they can help the mentee. Our focus is upon the mentee's growth, health, well-being. But at the same time, we have to, coach we have to invest within the mentors and so i wanted to to just gauge from you guys how much time you're spending investing in the mentors how, how much time does your staff devote to helping mentors improve not just administrating if that makes sense
2: i'm
0: gonna have to slip out of here my son's got some car troubles all of a sudden that <laughs> need some help
2: um, but let me say one thing real quick on the last one i was thinking that um i've looked at when i do my screening of the parent and kid, the intake stuff, I've really also geared, because Ty did the last thing about it, kind of reporting, so i have tried to really kind of gear some of the, the language now for that parent and the kid to both understand the relationship a little bit more and more, more. So first off, it's making sure they know they have the freedom to talk about anything to, to us. They can tell their coach or they can call us at any time if they're uncomfortable in any way. Um, also knowing, as I talk to some different counselors, that You know, I'll have some red flags that can come up in a mentor match, but that parent, because they're unstable in their own world, they may not have red flags come up on something. So trying to kind of give them a few understanding, a few things to understand that that might be a red flag to to bring up about your mentor that you could tell your coach. So try to set that up with the parent to see about how they can contact us and and for you know, and for the kid, I'll kind of talk about like, hey, you know, remember now this is a relationship, and guess what? Relationships don't always go good. Sometimes we're gonna have troubles, and most of the time it's because we just misunderstood or or said something incorrectly or whatever. And so, really trying to set the plate that yeah, maybe something went wrong, but it's, it, the mentor may not know that, you know, and may not, the mentor may not know that he or she said something rude or whatever. really kind of setting the stage hopefully from the beginning so that they see that and that the parent and the kid both understand that relationships sometimes get messy and have problems and that's okay we'll work through it so kind of giving them that hey we're going to get through it instead of getting angry they'll be a little more patient and understanding that we'll get through and so in the same way then we tell the mentors we let them know that stuff too so that they see we're going to be working on their side and that we're going to be we're not going to just jump on if a mentor or if a parent or kid calls and says something, we're not going to just blast the mentor, but we're, we're in this all together and we'll work through this and relationships can ask once in a while. So that's a um, really, I mean, that kind of helping those mentors is making sure they know we're communicating clear with that family. So they're not
0: alone in this, that we're helping them the whole way. That's really good, Todd. The tendency can be to have a knee jerk reaction when anything is said. I, I like what you said that communicating that we're going to we're going to work through this trying to resolve those things rather than just okay well I'll I'll do something about that because I I won't tolerate that and I think that that can create a divisive nature within the relationship so I think I think that that's that's a really good you're setting a a precedent with the families of let's let's work to work through these issues and let's be honest and so I want you to share all these things and connects with like a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset of a lot of our times when I have conversations with moms if they don't like something about the mentor they'll tell me I just want a new mentor for my son and I kind of have to come back of no we need we need to work through this um give give grace if there's any any issues obviously depending on the situation so that's really good does anyone else want to jump in on that thought that Todd just shared
2: I'll have to slip out Sorry, guys. I'll catch Thanks.
4: you next time. <laughs> Thanks for coming, man. Nice to meet you guys. You know, I'll I'll just. I don't really have anything to add to to what Todd was saying, but I I found that um, the more your your coaches or supervisors invest in the mentors' lives and and develop relationships with them, I just felt like um, you have a greater ability to work through the challenges, and it also uh, I felt like the matches would um, retain long term by doing that, and so CAYM's best practice is that the coach would contact the mentor every other week for the first three months when while you're getting started, and that just really helps you to build that personal relationship because you're you're checking in with them. So I would say, yeah, you ask about the match, but we we also tried to find out what how their family was and how work was going. Uh, so we, I mean, we tried to, to be pretty holistic with our mentors and that we were, we were excited to be doing ministry with them. We saw them as ministers with us and, you know, we prayed with them and, and if they were having challenges, um. You know, we we wanted to be there with them, whether that was with within mentoring or personal situations. So, and I think you know, the the more face-to-face contact you can have with the mentors is great. That's not always easy in in mentoring programs, but we we would always try to have have one within the first couple months of the match, and then at six months, we would we would have a meeting just with the coach and the the mentor face-to-face, so they could kind of talk through things. And um, really helps set up the one year anniversary and for them to continue beyond that. So, but I'll tell you, so here's, here's the downside to that. When, when you invest in your mentors greatly, uh, when they leave, it's hard, it's painful, it hurts. And um, so that's the thing you got to be careful about is, um, and and I I would, I would say invest, invest deeply, even if it hurts if they leave. because I think that's the best thing
0: to do. Mm, that's good. With that investment, knowing that what you've poured into them, they can still use without you. And so that that can kind of help soften the the wound. <laughs> of <laughs> They don't join you. It's still, you made an investment within within them and that's a kingdom impact. So yeah,
4: absolutely. that's the way to look
0: at it. Anyone else want to share about that, Danae? Did you want to chime in on that?
1: No, I'm not really. I'm, this is something... We try and – I mean, sometimes it's more natural to go deeper with someone and sometimes it's not. Um, I think I've shared before, like, when my husband and I were mentors with Gospel Village, we were like, stop bothering us. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we had three different coaches throughout the course of our mentoring relationship, but there was probably only one that I felt like friends with, but still it was like – when she was like, let's have lunch or something. I was like, I don't have time and I don't want to put my time towards that. And, you know, so that was just me because I'm like greedy with my time and want to (laughs) protect every moment. Um, but so I guess as a, as I'm checking in with people, I, I, I feel that like walking the line of like trying to invest in them, trying to build that relationship, but also like respecting, like, I don't res or, I don't resent, maybe I should push more. But like, if someone's like, I just can't get together face to face or, you know, things are going fine. No worries. Like I, I kind of give them the respect of not just annoying them to death. So that's a hard line for me to find the balance between.
0: Yeah. That, that, I mean, I definitely feel that Denae, even on our end in our stage of life as an organization, we kind of have an older crew that's been an established mentors who've been mentoring for Five, six, seven years, and then this new class that's coming along that's less than a year and typically this this new group there's a there's a running established rhythm where these kind of grandfathered mentors it's been hard to adjust them into this rhythm of hey i'd like to I'd like to talk to you every other week and I want to hear how the relationship's going and most of them are just like well i'm just doing my thing don't you trust me and I don't know if anyone else would like to chime in to that kind of dynamic of really it's not always going to be the same in every mentor relationship, just like all of our kids are not the same. (laughs) We have to make amends for that while not compromising our values and the, the things that are important to us. We want all of our mentors to embody. But Peter, Donovan, Jill, you have any thoughts about that? I see Peter cringing over there. So
3: I'm not cringing. I'm just thinking. Maybe I am cringing. I'm just thinking about. I had, there were certain mentors that I just really didn't connect with well, and they were good mentors, but I just you know and and it was, you know and I had you know and and you're talking about and Janae was talking about you know, she didn't want to go out with her for lunch or anything like that. I had I had guys like that. More like, that. No, just just get to work. You know, just I'll just just call me. I'll tell you what's happened, and that's it. And I would basically have like, you know, my, my supervision calls, monthly calls would be uh, less than five minutes with those people. That's all they wanted. But they were doing a good job. So it didn't matter to me. And, but I also, I found, you know, I was able to at that time in New York was, I was able to work my schedule on their schedule. So if they said, you know, I'd love to get together, but I'm so busy, I would just figure out a time. So I used to go and do, uh, meetings. Uh, I some mornings I would do three breakfast meetings from like 5:30 in the morning till till nine, and 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 uh, right in a row, uh, just to get them all in. Um, it was a little easy because they were, uh, I could do it along the train lines going into New York City, so you just kind of hit different train stations. <laughs> but you know that was that was the whole thing. I'd, I'd meet them right across from the train station. You know the whole thing was that uh, you're just not going to connect the same. And and you just got to figure out what they need and make sure that they're doing a good job. And you usually know they're doing a good job. That it just it's it's talking to the kid, talking to the parent, the the kind of the just even the simple feedback you get from them. Let me add one thing. I talked about those group meetings. I had mentors who didn't want to meet with me one to one, but would always come to our our group meetings. Mm.
1: And it's humbling for me because I'm like keep reminding myself that everyone doesn't want exactly what I want. So even like we have a mentor appreciation thing coming up right now. And I'm like, nobody's going to want to come to this because we didn't go to one gospel village mentor appreciation thing ever. And people are like, yes, I'm so excited. So <laughs> humbling for me that people do want to do a banquet. Who knew? Um.
3: <laughs> uh, today, I am with you on that. I just take going to those events. Yes. And people love it. I know. it's. We used to
0: have a, a six o'clock meeting where we pull out a PowerPoint presentation and try and train our mentors. That was ungodly early for a, for a PowerPoint presentation. And we just decided moving forward, if we're ever meeting that early, we're just eating breakfast tacos and talking. And so that, those have usually been successful when we just had tacos and, and no presentation
3: i'm, I'm those, jealous of the I'm jealous of the of the breakfast tacos, which was something we just don't get up in the northeast here
1: <laughs> were those well attended learning meetings
3: we probably we
0: probably had maybe that's great if, it, if you get
3: that in the morning if you get that many that's wonderful <laughs> well
0: that's that's encouraging to hear our our breakfast taco meetings have been more well attended so um we're excited just to, I mean, what you said about group sharing, Peter. I think that that's that's a huge kind of place yep. to share pros and grows where you can allow them <laughs> to share things that are difficult and. That is great. Though.
4: So you were talking about you've got this, um, you know, these these veteran mentors. You got this younger group, uh-huh. and I think, I mean, one one thing I think that's that's important is just that your coaches are setting. The, the, the proper expectations with, with all the mentors, whatever it is. I mean, so that, so that what, whatever communication that you do want from them, they know that up front before they're even getting matched. I mean, I think that's kind of how you can create consistency, uh, no matter what the personality of the mentor is. If you say We've, we need to talk once a month or we need to get together in a group once a quarter or whatever it is, it, you need to spell it out and then you need to hold them accountable to it.
0: Yeah. And I, I think we've, we've been veering away from just feeling the pressure that people are just grandfathered into a, to one way of doing it because they're a part of our organization. Mm. And so we want to push people continually where we want them to be, not just where, how they want to mentor. Cause if they want to mentor how they want to mentor, they can do their own thing somewhere else. <laughs> Go
3: ahead. Can you tell, me what, tell us, what you see the difference, what, like when you say, how do they want to mentor? How is it different from the way you want to mentor?
0: And it just goes with changes in how our program has developed over the years. So usually we've had mentors come to our after school program and that's where they do mentoring is in a safe environment where we know that the rule of three is established that they they're they're with us. And some mentors were like, "Well, I can't do that, so I'm just going to pick them up and we'll go to McDonald's and that's what we're going to do." And we we've kind of become more lenient on our older kids of of what the mentor can can do and what that looks like. And so it's really just how we have created more freedom for our mentors whereas at that time we were kind of more strict on what the space looks like for the mentoring to happen. And so now, now really, we don't have much of those issues. It's just more of the relationship is is different because turnover in our organization has has really the relationship has changed. From their connection point is someone else now than it was when they first joined the organization, and those relationships look different based off of the personality of the person that was coaching them. So,
3: Steve, we, we often had a difficulty when I when I changed a. Uh, uh, you know a match supervisor uh, we would lose a lot of the matches the mm. mentors uh, uh, that was a real difficult thing for us to overcome yeah. uh, because that that mentor often just had that connection with, with that coach, and that coach was really sustaining and maybe through a difficult relationship and and then when that relation when the coach relationship changed we we would lose them
0: yeah. Yeah, well, and even, even when I came on here at Forerunner, taking on a few of those relationships, that that is a difficult transition to make because it's, it's not just a coach, but it's also a connection to the organization. And so you don't take that, those things lightly when, when a mentor's main connection to the organization leaves. And obviously most of them in in my situation stay on because they're investing in the kid, but it just takes time to build that relationship. The last question I had written down was what do your mentors need most from your organization to succeed? I think that's a, it's a great question. I know we've talked about pre-service training on here as a, a huge uh, part of raising up your mentors to understand what you expect of them. And then the ongoing meetings. I love what Donovan said of really recommending for the first three months you're meeting every other week with them to kind of, make sure they're in their lane and they're doing what, what's, what's good for them. But what do you think, yeah, our mentors need most in order to succeed?
1: Well, I, on my giant wall of things in my office, um, I have a a graph printed that was a study done by Mentor National that was mentors identifying what they need from organizations. And so, um, And then there's like formal versus informal mentors and things like that. So, um, I have, I try to reflect on that and those categories and think to myself, when was the last time? So for example, not knowing what to do together, like, are we communicating local events? Are we communicating like, Hey, here's a free activity, go do that. Are we doing that enough? I, I, what else in the categories? Just, um, you know, reminder about various procedures, training on how to connect with a child like this, you know, all those different categories, but you know, a graph on the wall is not the same as what each mentor really needs. But I I do try and like look at that pretty regularly and think like, am I hitting all these areas and, and then just kind of tailor it to what the mentor wants. And so if I, if I'm getting together with the mentor face-to-face, I try and have a bunch of resources printed out for them And then if they don't want it, then they don't have to take it. But it's like, oh, like, here's, here's a flyer that I found about mentoring a child with an incarcerated parent. And so it's normal what you're going through. You can read this on your own or, you know, here's a list of, we do that pretty much monthly, a list of local stuff going on, um, whatever it is. So. I, I'm not saying that that's perfect. I haven't gotten any feedback that we're doing it in the perfect way, <laughs> but I do try and let that um study kind of guide the different categories of information that I'm giving to the mentors and feedback that I'm giving them. And then I assume the number one thing that mentors need is encouragement. So I just try and always have an encouraging word for them. Um, whenever we check in with the kids at school, we like take a picture with the kids and we send it to the mentors and say, they were so happy to tell me everything you're doing and they love you so much. And, you know, we, we try and send, I don't know, it, this isn't like a formal policy, but just the, um, you know, sandwiching, uh, compliment, uh, two nice words in between something hard. Like I would hope that they would hear twice as much good things from us as when those hard words have to come along.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I, I found Danae like, I, I love what you said about giving them resources. One of the things that I feel like has been helpful for my mentors, which wasn't necessarily something that I thought was going to be helpful, but making sure they understand that I'm not the expert on everything their child is going through, that I don't have to establish myself as I know everything about kids whose fathers have been incarcerated and all of the specifics that I, I can communicate, hey, I'm excited to learn with you. And would love to encourage you to to check out some resources and let me know what you're learning about the things that your child your your mentee has experienced and um, what's helpful and really help them grow in discovery of just trying to figure out how it is and even pulling up a whiteboard and talking through like what are the things that he's experienced and how does that communicate what he needs and not necessarily always walking into a meeting like, oh, I totally know what he needs. And <laughs> and so I think there's a level of humility that we, we don't have to be the experts. Though it, it'd be nice to feel that I was the expert about every kid's situation.
1: Oh, I'll add, um, so we, in our six months check-in recently, we just like had a face-to-face with everybody and I shared with all of them something from Donovan and Peter's manual of like the like just drew it on a napkin or whatever of the, the graph, uh, like over time, um, how different relationships go. Y'all know what I'm talking about.
4: Developing trust over time.
1: Yes. Yes. So I drew those out. And so like, this is the relationship, this is time and which, and, and just gave a brief overview of it. And which of these lines would you think that your relationship is in now that you've been doing it for six months? um and so that was a really great conversation with every mentor um and and even some of those which i had identified of like oh this is a child who is not you know just clicking right along like you would expect there there are some walls that they're putting up and they're kind of testing the relationship or they they built the relationship so fast and then are crashing right now we're having some right at 6 months that are really kind of testing the relationship right now and i think all of the mentors s- seemed really encouraged by going like, oh, this is normal, this is like, you can graph it out that this is the crash, we're in the crash right now, and we're going to build from there, and so, so thank y'all for that resource, and that was really encouraging for all of the mentors, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so kind of helping them identify where, what season they're in, where they're at in the relationship, definitely relieves stress from the mentor of understanding where they're at, so that's, yeah, that'll totally help them succeed. Any other thoughts from you guys? One thing I just
4: as far as I, I think mentors are always needing encouragement. And so I think a, a basic thing that your program can do is just develop some basic goals with each match. And, and you, you obviously want to focus on the on the relationship. But, you know, we recommend just some basic things uh, around life skills, academics, fun activities, spiritual activities. And if you can just come up with a couple, so let's say, you know, life skills, the the kid has never grilled a hot dog before, or a girl has never baked chocolate chip cookies before. If they can come up with a basic goal like that, and the mentor does that with them, then, um, you know, everybody feels good about that. (laughs) And it actually... Then for the coaches, sometimes I found that as a coach, I I get stuck just not really having much to talk to them about other than, well, what are you doing? How are things going? Any problems? But but if you have you know some basic goals that you're you're checking in on them, then it it makes everybody see that that the match is making progress and there are new things that they're learning. So that's yeah. just a real real basic one, but that's can uh, bring encouragement both to the, the kid, the mentor, and the coach. Yeah. Well,
0: it's really helpful even to categorize those things, Donovan, and not just say, hey, so what are you guys doing? But, but to actually give them, hey, what life skills have you learned? What, what's going on in academic-wise? Like spiritually, how are they growing? And then what fun activities have you done? That, that kind of helps the mentor even answer the question. Because yeah. just saying, what have you been doing? It's like, we play basketball.
4: And I know some, some programs have, have, so they'll do a, an annual awards banquet or something, and, and they'll tie some of the awards to those goal categories. So, you know, whatever they are, and then the mentoring kid can kind of showcase, let's say they did an art project together. Well, then at that banquet, they get to show off their art project to people. That's or, cool. So it's, it's um, you know, you can do it that way, and then, and then they get celebrated Uh, For that as well that that's um, I think that kind of takes it full circle.
3: I think the uh, things that I try to to push with mentors and done for years is helping them to uh, introduce their protege to Other positive adults as many as possible and I would so we want one of the goals of mentoring is to help the kids build social capital I I I look at that all the time and uh, and it's it's one of one of those key things is how many people have they built a relationship through you now getting them to church is one of the key things to doing that now i have to say that but you can do it in other ways they don't necessarily have to be your friends. it could be you're taking them to a business that they're interested maybe in going into or something they're seeing or like that it's it's it, it's all those things that, those those You know, some of the research shows, and in 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 my experience, is just some of the best things you can do, and one of the great measurements for me in mentoring. That's awesome.
0: I love it, guys. There's so much that we kind of covered, but I I think it all kind of leans back into really the the better questions we ask, the more encouragement we give, the more conversations we have, the more we're setting up our mentors to succeed and. And to do the things that they want to be doing, but they might just not have have felt inspired to do. And so I really think even just in all those conversations, I think that really creates an environment where you're inspired. And every mentor I talk to, if I give them an idea, they're so helpful. That's so helpful to them. Yeah. And, and so we're just implanting ideas that help them uh, to grow in their relationships. So Steve, Steve, can I just say one more
3: thing? About yeah, go ahead. The- uh i i think one of the big things to do is to recommend free things that they can do for, for every month that's out there look at what's available in your community check on blogs we used to have we used to mail out things back years ago and we did emails later on of what is available right now for you for you to do and so they would have a list of 50 things that that, that events that are going to be free or things that they could do that this time of year that maybe they hadn't thought of doing. And I had a volunteer who put that together for us.
0: That's a great idea.
3: Because people need free stuff to do the kids. You can't be spending money on kids all the time. because that's, It just, it just sets a bad precedent all the way around.
4: Hey, um, Steve, can I, can I mention one other thing? I'm just thinking about this and thinking back to my coaching days and I think one thing that's that is important is is for your coaches, we talk about all these challenges. I think it's important that as a team you you talk through the challenges with the coach, that that when you guys um meet, we would always meet weekly and we would we would talk through the challenges going on in the matches together so that that no one coach was feeling this overwhelming burden that they were trying to keep this match, match together or or whatever, we really brought a team concept to that. And I think that's real important because uh you get, you know, you start you're coaching 20, 30 matches with some pretty uh dysfunctional families, you get all kinds of stuff <laughs> thrown at you. <laughs> and it's uh it's challenging. So, you know, I think part of it is you gotta keep your coaches encouraged as a mm-hmm. team. The other thing with that is I think you know, as they're investing in the mentors and most programs, they're, they're, they're pushing numbers. They're saying we want 50 matches. We want a hundred matches. So you're trying to keep the matches. You're recruiting new mentors, but it's the coach's job to retain the matches you have. <laughs> and so they feel pressure. And when they lose a match, it hurts because they've, they've invested relationally in it. And then also in the numbers, it it takes a hit. And so, you know, that's just another thing just to keep in mind that uh, those are some of the stresses on the, on the coaches, I think, that, that you
3: need to consider. Yeah. That's, that's really good.
1: Is that so. normal that you guys encourage weekly <clears throat> meetings with the coaches? Excuse me.
3: We
4: did. I mean, that, that was with – we had paid staff, so, I mean, we, we worked with each other every day, but, yeah, every week we would get together as a team.
3: We, we would bring in a psychologist once a month to, to debrief our staff because we were dealing with, um, all, you know, the kids we had were either juvenile offenders or kids in the child protective service system. They were the highest risk kids. And uh, the, the staff just were dealing with it. We were, we, were, we were more in touch with these families than their, uh, than their social service workers and uh and that was so we had we had we had a for all our coaches once a month sit down uh, we buy a bunch of bagels bring in this psychologist and he would spend two hours with us
0: once once a month that's that's great advice well i love it guys i think i think there's a lot to chew on i'll try and synthesize kind of what we shared in a follow-up email but um thank you so much for taking the time to be on the call and share your advice and your practice best practices thank you guys for joining the call